Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter 14 today, Exodus chapter number 14. I'm going to go there to the word of the Lord. Now, folks, I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to minister. Uh, I'm just going to minister. I've done it to few and I've done it to many, so I'm just going to minister today. Exodus chapter 14. I was telling some of our leadership in a group text the other night. I think it was Sister Malone was in, just saying, here it is. First Sunday of the year, I guess it wasn't. We can't even be there. She says for the young people, and it's the first time that the twelve-year-olds was going to be in their class. They can't even be there. I said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "We celebrated the first service of the year by canceling church." I mean, come on. And so, so I'm glad to see the Phelps here this morning. They had they was thinking about going out of town, so I'm glad you didn't go out of town. I'm glad you're here to be able to bolster us a little bit. So thankful uh, for you for you being here. Amen. They did go out of town. They went out of town to come to Mount Carmel. They got to leave town in order to get to Mount Carmel, get to church. So we're glad to have, amen, see their faces this morning. Exodus 14. I want to read one verse, verse 21, and then skip down to verse 29. Again, we are glad to have our guests with us today as well. Amen. To come uh, to the house of the Lord. The Bible states these words. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong, everybody say east, east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Verse 29 of the same chapter, the Bible says, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. The waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. As the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead among the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. It has not really been all that long ago that I preached along Exodus uh, 14. If you will remember, I preached about the morning watch. That sermon was asked, actually birthed out of me studying to put together what I'm going to talk about this morning. It's just God does things like that sometimes. I was really going with this original thought, and the, the morning watch came alone. So I went back to this to tie up the loose ends, so to speak, this morning, and want to minister this. And I'm, I'm not teaching. I'm endeavoring to preach, even after having the flu. I'm going for it. Go broke or go home. Amen. I want to minister today, which way the wind blows. You've heard that little phrase. You know, I'm just waiting to see which way the wind blows. Which way the wind blows. Amen. And I hope it will minister to somebody today in the house of the Lord. Let us go to the Lord to prayer one more time. God has people here today that need to hear what's spoken here this morning. I believe that. I'm confident that God has this word tailor-made for a small group today that may be sitting here among us. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm praying, God, for your anointing. 
I pray, oh God, for your anointing, God, to fill this place, every void and vacant area. I pray, oh Lord Jesus, today, God, give me the strength, the energy, God, the tenacity. I pray, oh Lord, to minister your word this morning. God, that we can be bread, Lord, for somebody's soul. God, this is not about, Lord Jesus, me. It's not, God, about what I do, per se, Lord, or any performance on my part. But it's about the spirit of heaven, heaven having a voice to speak into the lives of the people that are gathered here. God, you know circumstances, situations, you know, Lord, right where they are positioned and poised. God, regular members and guests alike, God, you know where they are. And I pray, oh God, help me to simply be the voice. Help me to simply be the voice this morning that can somehow, Lord, convey the word, convey a message, God, that would be of some benefit and help to somebody's lives. God, and I thank you, Lord, when I return to my seat this morning for your anointing and your strength, God, and your ability to speak, Lord God to us gathered together on this Sunday morning service in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen and the church say amen hallelujah let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise if we will today before we're seated here I love you Jesus 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 hallelujah you may be seated this morning in Jesus name which way which way the wind blows the wind blows the wind everybody say the wind the wind an invisible force of nature we oftentimes will welcome a balmy breeze but if we're along the sands maybe of a more tropical client but those same places will very quickly despise any gale force winds that would bring destruction and devastation upon their coast by virtue of hurricane, typhoon, whatever you would wish to call it. As a matter of fact, from my understanding, most natural disasters of the last hundred years have involved the wind in some form. Hurricanes, tornadoes, even blizzards all involved the wind. Cyclones, typhoons, even the most recent wildfires in California all to some measure involve the wind. A few years ago at our own house, we have a chain link fence around the back of our house. And a few years ago, uh, my neighbor's trampoline hit my chain link fence, bent it, flipped up in the air, and landed in my yard, all because of the strength of the wind that blew that day. It seems as though all the highlight reels of the wind emphasize its wreckage. But the wind also has its benefits as well. Winds power the voyages of sailing ships across the Earth's oceans. Hot air balloons that take to flight in the air use the wind to take short trips at short distances. Powered flights of airplanes that leave all the major international and national and just regional airports use the wind to increase their lift winds it is because of the winds that it, it, they are used in nature to disperse seeds to uh, various plants to places that they would not otherwise be able to get had it not been for the wind ever since the year 300 bc the wind has been used to increase the temperatures of old rudimentary furnaces that they had in the first century i read at one place where the wind was used to power an organ uh, in the first century. The wind has been used to help 
uh, grind corn and draw water. Nowadays in particular, it's been used to produce electricity from the wind farms that they have up in some of the windy districts and areas. But the wind is, is quite peculiar because the wind that wrecks havoc today may be an inviting breeze upon your face tomorrow. The wind has the ability to change direction and its intensity um, from being boisterous to being a breeze may fluctuate. But there's one thing certain concerning the wind. It only has one master and that master is God. David penned these words in Psalms 135 and verse 5. He says, for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all deep places. He causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings for rain. And look at it now. He bringeth the wind out of his treasuries. On two other occasions, Jeremiah the prophet echoed the words of David. And he, he echoed the knowledge of David in how that the Lord brings the wind out of his treasuries. And properly the word treasuries are in, in the Hebrew are that which is laid up. The Lord brings the wind out, out of that portion, that storehouse where the wind has been laid up. Uh, the, the, the treasuries are those things that have been laid up, particularly those things that are precious things. And so with that in mind this morning, the wind that God allows to blow in our lives is what God has laid up in his treasury for us. Regardless of the direction that they come from, whether it be north, south, east, or west, or the intensity, whether it be powerful or whether it be a breeze, amen, God esteems the wind as some of his precious things. He esteems the wind as some of the precious things that he has laid up for us. But folks, I want you to understand this morning, make no mistake about it, God is in control of them because he has created them. The prophet Amos said, The Lord, the God of hosts, created the wind. And if creation is subject to its creator as it should be, it will obey him. The Bible says we read of in the Gospels at several different points in the Gospels, the great God that we know that was robed in flesh as the man Jesus Christ at one point was asleep on uh, in a ship in the hinder part of the ship, the gospels say. And while he's asleep on the ship, the Bible says, all the while the boat that the disciples and he are on are caught, the Bible states it like this, in a great storm of wind. And with limited understanding, as Jesus is sleeping, his disciples come to him and they cry out, these are their words, Master, carest thou not that we perish? His disciples called him master because they seen him, amen, as such to them in the relationship. They considered him 
their master. But they would soon learn in just a little bit. Not only was he their master, but he was anything and everything else's master as well. He would arise from that place of slumber. He would come to the helm of that ship. He would speak into that great storm of wind and say, peace, be still. And the Bible says, and the wind ceased. The Bible says then in Mark 4, 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm telling you that God created the wind and God is in control of the wind. Amen. In Proverbs 30, a man by the name of Augur, he is rhetorically asking a question. And the question that he poses is this. He knows the answer. He was just trying to stir up stir up the minds of his readers. He says, who gathered the wind in his fist? God created the He gathered the wind in his fist. He created it. He controls it. And in another place of scripture, it depicts God as though he rides on the wind. An old choir song we used to sing when I was younger is that God rides on the waters. He rides on the floods. Speaking then about even him riding upon the wings or if you even the wind, if you will, of love. Amen. God rides on the wind. The, ba- the Bible states this in 2 Samuel 22. David was describing God. David was in a bad position. The Bible said that he cried unto the Lord and the Lord heard his cry in 2 Samuel 22. And whenever God heard his cry, David describes God as coming down to his aid, responding to his cry. And David describes God as riding upon a cherub. Amen. As flying upon a cherub. As seen upon the wings as David describes it. God coming upon the wings of the wind. In Psalms, David talks about God being one who walks upon the wings of the wind. And so when we understand this today, folks, wind is not something that is separated from God. Wind is an agent of God. Wind is an employee of heaven. An employee of God. And so whether the wind is coming from the north or whether it's coming from the south, the east or the wind, the the west, the wind comes at the direction, the discretion of God. Someone say amen. All throughout the Bible, it would take a Bible study, amen, to tell you all of this in detail. But in short, in the Bible, the north wind is spoken of and it's typical normally of judgment when it blows. The south wind is spoken of, we have seen in our act study, the south wind is spoken of and many times it is typical of temptation or allurement. That bears true in the book of Acts as we have seen. The west wind is spoken of in scripture. You can read of it and it is usually depicting the mercy of God. But there is then the east wind that is also spoken of on many accounts in scripture and it many times is speaking of affliction and trial. Has anybody ever experienced the east wind? The first time we hear of the east wind is in Genesis 41. And it's here that we hear of it repetitively because it had just been a part of Pharaoh's dream of the seven of the cattle that came up that were lean, the seven And those that came up that were healthy and of the ears that came up blasted 
and those that came up that whole dream and it's spoken of repetitively in Genesis 41 the east wind amen because Pharaoh had relayed that dream and retold that dream a few times and this is the first time it's spoken of there in Genesis 41 and it says and behold the seven thin ears blasted with the east wind First time it's ever mentioned. First time a word or a phrase is ever mentioned in Scripture is very important because that what gives us our most complete and accurate understanding of the way that it's going to be used in, in Scripture. And so the first time we see the east wind, it's, it's blasting the ears of corn. It's not something good. It's not something positive. It's something negative. It's something that is just very heart-wrenching and destructive. It's blasting the ears of corn. And so the east wind is first associated with that blasting. It's associated if you will with affliction the affliction that would come upon the grain of the land that would be instrumental in bringing about the seven years of famine that would put that whole land and that whole area suffering for seven years after seven years of plenty amen and it's them that the next time we see that this east wind crops up we find it in conjunction with one of the plagues that came upon Egypt remember the ten plagues that came upon Egypt the Bible states in Exodus 10, one of the particular plagues in verse 13, that the east wind brought the locust. The east wind brought the locust. The Bible describes those locusts that they were grievous. They covered the whole land. There was no like, there was none like them before this moment, and there was never another locust like them after this moment. They devoured everything. The hailstorm had already fell, left a little bit of things left concerning grain. And now the locusts have come and they have taken everything that's left. There's no green thing according to scripture that's left. No herb, no fruit, nothing. And that was brought by the east wind, affliction, trial. The Bible says that by the east wind, God, amen, brought the locusts. And then it states in verse 19 that the west wind blew and took them away. See, God's mercy. West wind taking them away. East wind bringing them affliction and trial. But here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. Just because the west wind took them away, we don't need to mistake that the west wind has a different source than the east wind. Both of their sources are in the treasuries of God. God created them. God controlled them they're under the handiwork of God you can't say well because I'm receiving mercy that comes from God if I'm receiving affliction not so that ain't the case Job said shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord and not receive evil those are things bound up in his treasures that are precious unto him for us they don't have different origins they have the same origin now watch this watch this verse 19 tells us that the Lord turned a mighty strong west wind to come and take the locusts away. But if you look back at Genesis 41 and verse 13, not Genesis, but Exodus 10, 14, 13, the Bible also informs us that the Lord brought, there it is, hard time to quibble with that, isn't it? The Lord brought the east wind. The Lord brought the east wind, and the east wind brought the locusts that brought the annihilation on the countryside. We many times don't want to pair God with having anything to do with any of the affliction we go through. But God brought the east wind just as much as he got, brought the west wind. He brought the east wind that brought the locusts, that brought, if you will, the eating of the land and the grain so that there was no green thing, no nothing. Someone say amen. 
The east wind is the wind of adversity. The east wind is the wind of trial, of affliction, of everything, if you will, all the nuts coming off the boats, the east wind. And at times, I know, I, I can bear witness as probably many that are sitting here today can witness. At times, it may feel like that the only wind you experience or are experiencing. Hello, I heard somebody talk to me. Is the east wind. Amen. You might say, Pastor McGee, I experienced the wind, but folks, I, I, Pastor, it only blows in one direction in my life. I'm only acquainted with the east wind. If you want to talk about trial and affliction, sign me up because I understand that wind. That's the type of wind that blows in my life. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't for the east wind, I'd have no wind at all. I, that's the only type of wind that I, I understand. I understand locusts coming and devouring. I understand things coming and eating up everything I've got. I understand all of this that's taking place and it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and the pressure and the agony and the despair devouring and affliction and trial and adversity and mayhem understand all of that I understand for me it seems like it never changes the west wind never blows the mercy is never mixed and I understand the east wind the east wind everybody say the east wind we gotta understand this today the east wind the east wind is what the psalmist declared to have broken the ships of Tarshish. The ships of Tarshish was normally supply ships. They had cargo on them. They had supplies on them. David said it's the east wind that would show up upon the sea and break those ships. It would strip, it would strip those ships of everything that was necessary, supplies for people's lives. Listen to me right now. This, this is in your Bible. The east wind was the wind that scatters, according to Jeremiah 18. The east wind was the wind that withers, according to Ezekiel 17. The east wind was the one that dried up the fruit, according to Ezekiel 19. Amen. Again, Ezekiel spoke up the east wind being the one that breaks the ships that has all of the riches and the merchandise and even the people upon them. It was always the east wind that came and did that. Jonah had been a victim of the east wind. It among other things, the Bible says in the last chapter of Jonah that there was an east wind that blew and it was the east wind that caused Jonah to faint and wish that he had never been born. It was the affliction, the trial that came upon Jonah that caused him to faint and think, I know what, I wish I was dead right now. Job suffered at the gale forces of the east wind. He lost his family. More particularly, he lost his kids because of the east wind. A messenger came to him, the only one that was left, amen, and reported to Job. He said, Job, he said, as your kids were dining in their eldest brother's house, a great wind, now watch it, a great wind from the wilderness came and smote the four corners of the house where they were gathered. Brother McGee, that don't say the east wind. I'm letting scripture interpret scripture. Hosea said and gives clarification that the wind from the wilderness is the east wind. So it was the east wind that blew from the wilderness upon the four corners of that house that took Amen. And that house down and thus took the life of Job's kids. He experienced the east wind of trial, affliction. Everybody all right? All of this this morning brings me to my text. Brings me to my text. Because as the children of Israel approached the Red Sea, 
familiar story to many. It's not like they had a lot of choices as they approached the Red Sea. As a matter of fact, Moses is proceeding a little bit with caution. And he tells the children of Israel, stand still. A few verses later, God's saying, Moses, go forward. So Moses is approaching with caution. He's saying, let's stand still. But God's saying, go forward. And it's almost as though all of Israel is standing at the brink, at the shore of the Red Sea, trying to see what's going to develop. Because the Egyptians are behind them. According to the geography of the land, there are impassable mountainous ranges on either side of them, and now they have a Red Sea in front of them. If you will, they're trying to see what, what's going to happen. They're trying to gauge, if I might say today, which way the wind's going to blow. That statement that, 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 that conveys the idea of someone just trying to discern what's probably going to take place, what's probably going to happen, how this situation is all going to pan out. Moses says, stand still. God says, let's go. And they're all trying to see which way the wind's going to blow. They've just escaped 400 years of bondage. 400 years of bondage to now just be trapped on the banks of a Red Sea. <laughs> Impassable mountainous ranges. Pharaoh's army behind them. A Red Sea that's in front of them. Are you serious? Listen to me. The plagues, amen, that were going on in Egypt as the children of Israel bunkered down in Goshen, the plagues may not have touched them in Goshen, amen, but for generations we must remember they had experienced affliction. For 400 years they had experienced affliction. As a matter of fact, no sooner had Joseph died. The Bible says there arose a new king over Israel that knew not Joseph. Not no sooner than Joseph died, the children of Israel, their calamity started. Their affliction started. Their heartache, their trial started. And it seemed like things went from bad to worse ever since Moses and Aaron showed up for deliverance day. Honey, you know it's bad whenever they're saying we're going to deliver you and it goes from bad to worse. Put that in a can and sand it, sell it on the market. You call that deliverance. I'm here to tell you right now. It's went from bad to worse since you showed up. And now you're telling us we walked out of Egypt with a high hand, the Bible says. We walked out of Egypt spoiling the Egyptians. And you're telling us now that we are trapped right here in this location at the Red Sea. What else could go wrong? Famous last word, scariest word you can ever, amen, say during an affliction and trial. What else could go wrong? What's next, honey? It's about ready to show you. What's next have we been delivered truly have we been delivered this is their question have we been delivered to die in the wilderness have you why they say why have you dealt with us like this in other words the interpretation for today why are we being treated like this you ever been there you ever felt that Say, God, why, why am I being treated like this? I've already went through 400 years of affliction. I've already seen and, and bowed my head at the grave of a many of the loved ones. I've already had the sweat that came off my brow from trying to make bricks without straw and still keep the daily number. I've been acquainted with all of this. What's going to happen now? You call this deliverance, but it feels like we're trapped right here. You said this is freedom, but it seems like we're hemmed in in the land right here. What's going on? What does all this mean to me? Oh, I 
feel God's got a message here before we're said and done. The last words that Moses spoke to Israel, the last words he spoke to them before he stretched his hand out over the sea was this, and this is what the Lord told him to tell them. These are the last words that they heard before Moses stretched his hand over the sea. Moses said, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more. The Lord will fight for you. Hold your peace. Now, what would be going through your mind if you just heard all those words from God through your man of God? What would be going through your mind? A little giddy? Uh, man, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. This is great right here. And then Moses left them with those words, didn't say another thing to them, had a little conversation with God, has a little conversation with God, and whenever he comes back to the children of Israel, he's not saying anything, but he commences, he starts doing something, and he stretches his arm out over the sea. And then for the rest of the night, Israel is feeling, because they can know the direction, they're feeling the gust of a not west but east wind fear not I think did he say fear not yeah that's what did he say the Lord's fighting for yeah that's what he said what's the deal with the east wind we saw that bring the locusts on Egypt we know that has to do with nothing but trial and affliction and drudgery and test and heartache and he's causing this wind blowing honey we're already trapped we already don't have a way out and now he's bringing more affliction now he's bringing more trial now he's bringing greater 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 woe upon us Someone hear me today. I don't know. I know you. You watch your little animated movies and all these other things. Amen. And it shows as soon as Moses put his arm over it, honey, it started divided. It was done in just a moment. I don't know if that's necessarily true, how it happened. I don't know how long it took before the sea was divided. I don't know how long it took before the land under their feet or before them was dry. Amen. But I, I, it appears for me to believe that it was long enough for the Israelites to notice that it was an east wind blowing. And being it was an east wind blowing, their minds are racing to the fact, honey, this is associated with no good. This is associated with affliction. For that, for that, the Israelites may, when they felt that the wind was coming from the east, they may have become a little bit doubtful about their welfare on the banks of the Red Sea. Because God, we're already positioned in an inescapable place. And now you have a strong east wind that's blowing. Did you say you're going to fight for us? I mean, is this what deliverance really looks like? God, if so, I think I'd just rather remain where I was, Egypt. And just nod for it. But it's in this instance. And again, I don't know how long it took. I know the Bible says that the Lord caused the east wind to blow and the waters to go the word go in the Hebrew uh, comes from a word that also means walk walk is much different from running amen it is a just regular pace it's not like in a hurry 
But he said he caused them to go back. And all they're feeling is the east wind blowing and knowing everything that is associated with it. But I believe it's in this moment right here that God brings clarity. He gives clarity to the winds of affliction that blow upon our lives. Because by virtue of the east wind that's known for trial and affliction and dismay and heartache, by the east wind, God made the sea dry. The waters were divided. And quite frankly, if I can say it like this, listen, had it not been for the east wind, had it not been for the wind of affliction, Israelites would not have made it to the other side of the Red Sea. Had it not been for the east wind, Brother Gross, they had, would have been encompassed by the army of the Egyptians, something far worse. Let me say it like this. Had it not been for the east wind of affliction, dividing the water, making a way as it would seem, they would have been encompassed by something far worse, their past. Their past. Can I say this? The east wind did not come to destroy the Israelites. The east wind in this moment did not even come to destroy the sea. But it did come to do what it's known to do. It divides. It scatters. It withers. But this time it came to divide, scatter, and wither the sea. And by doing so, it gave new boundaries to the sea. Can I tell you this morning, I know we oftentimes look down our nose at every trial and every affliction and every problem. But the east wind is not necessarily a bad wind because affliction has the ability of creating a path to get you to where you need to be where you would not have been had it not been for an east wind Someone say amen. Someone say amen. He says, I'm going to show you that I can use the very wind that afflicted you to also make a path of deliverance for you. Don't you underestimate that I created it, that I control it, that it's in my treasure, that I ride upon the wings of it. Someone say yes. Uh. I'm far from done. Israel, Israel, don't you, don't you forget, don't you forget. If it weren't for the east wind, you would have had a path there in the waters. Your feet wouldn't be on dry land. But see, it formed new boundaries. It scattered and it divided. That gave you a route. That gave you a route to get you to where I wanted you to be. But it would not be able to happen because it'd take the east wind to create the division. It'd take the east wind to create the path. It'd take the east wind of affliction and turmoil to do the scattering upon the water. He says there's something you need to understand right now. The east wind doesn't always come to see what it can do to you. Sometimes it comes to see what it can do for you. See, we look at trial and say, why is this happening to me? What is God doing to me? It's not always God doing something to you. He may be doing something for you by the very same wind he thinks you think is doing something to you. See, they feel the east wind. I think, my God, here it comes again upon us. No, God's using it this time to do something for you. And this is where people have two options in life. They can either be bitter or better. 
And here's the difference. You become bitter when you feel like the east wind is doing something to you. But you become better when you realize it's really doing something for you. The wind of affliction, trial, path. What? Yeah. You know what David said in the Psalms? Listen to him. He says, before, if I say before, before, I think this is Psalms 119, which is a big psalm. Before I was afflicted, he says, I went astray. Are you hearing me? When there was no east wind in the picture, my steps were going away from where my steps should be. I was astray. He said, that's before I was afflicted. You know what that means then? After affliction. After affliction. After the east wind blew upon his life. David's walking in the path that David should be walking. So we don't necessarily need to always look down our nose at the east wind. Because while we are, we are summing up that it's doing something to us, it might be doing something for us. Because David said, had it not been for the east wind, I wouldn't be where I am today. Had it not been for the east wind, I'd be walking in a direction away from God, far from God. But when I was afflicted, he said, I started to walk the path again. It did something for me. It did something for me. Someone say amen. Nineteen. Nineteen. Eighty-seven. There was an edifice that was built in Tucson, Arizona. Called Biosphere 2. Tucson, Arizona. Just built outside of there. The Biosphere had five simulated areas of Earth's existence. Mariah, it meant those biomes that you studied in science of rainforest and desert and all that, they tried to simulate those areas within this closed environment of a biosphere, a sphere, an actual structural sphere, Tucson, Arizona, in a controlled environment. From observation, scientists believe that this biosphere would be able to help them establish colonies in, in outer space. For the most part, their study and the biosphere, things went very well. But they come to find out and observe that there was a problem with the trees. The trees grew for 20 years. Didn't exist. These trees within the biosphere grew for 20 years, but they never felt the wind blow against their trunks or their branches. They grew for 20 years, but they never had an evening breeze to jostle the leaves or the twigs on the trees. 20 years they'd been in existence in that protected environment, but they were never allowed to be bowed low by gale force winds of the storms that would take place on the exterior of the biosphere. Never once in this protected environment 
did these trees ever have to fight their first storm. They knew nothing, if you will, this morning. They knew nothing of or about adversity. And we, this morning, may think these trees should be better than any other tree in nature because they've been put in a protected space. They've been, been put in a, a protected environment. They, they, they would have grown taller than any other tree. I mean, how majestic, how sturdy they must have become because they've not been exposed to all these other things. But folks, that was anything but true. These trees, as a matter of fact, in their 20 years, did not even grow straight and tall. They bent toward the ground, the scientists said. And eventually the scientists had to use braces and ropes to hold these trees up. And they're saying, scratching their heads, what's the cause? We've kept them from every wind. We've kept them from every storm. They've been protected from every disaster of nature. And then the scientists at the University of Arizona started to study and sum up some things. And they believed that the reason why the trees did not grow and did not mature and did not do what they expected them to do is because they had had the absence of the wind in their life. They had the absence, if you will, of adversity because they know that when the wind blows, it causes the tree's root system to be tested and the roots will grow deeper because of the wind that blows upon it. Whenever the wind blows, it causes the bark on a tree to grow tougher whenever the wind blows upon it. Amen. It means a stronger tree if it has stronger bark. And so, folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, there is a reason for adversity. There is a reason for the storm. There is a reason for the trial. It's not necessarily what it does to us, but it may be doing something for us. The storm may cause us to lean on the arms of God a little bit more. The storm might cause us to grow a little bit stronger in might and power. It might develop our relationship with God greater. It might cause us to pray more, study more, seek His will more. So don't sit idly by with your, your eyes, so to speak, on the weather vane. Trying to decide or discern which way the wind is going to blow. You don't need to be worried about which direction the wind's blowing or if it's blowing. The only thing you need to wrap your mind around is this. God created it. He controls it. It's a precious thing. He counts in his treasury. And he has the ability to ride on the wings of it. Furthermore, understand that God uses the wind. Just like for this poor tree, God uses the wind natural sense for us that I'm trying to speak through the scope of a spiritual sense today. God uses the wind. Here we go. To give are you ready? To give life. Ezekiel Ezekiel 37 the notable vision of the valley 
<clears throat> of dry bones? Remember him having that vision from the Lord? The Lord took him to a valley. Behold, the bones were dry. He says, behold, they were very, very dry. We come to find out in that vision, whenever it's all said and done, that the vision of those dry bones who turned into an exceeding great army, God said, this is the whole house of Israel. That, that, that valley of scattered, divided, no sinew, no muscle, dry bones, that was Israel's state. And he brought them at the end of the vision through the instruction that Ezekiel was supposed to say and speak unto the bones. He brought them to exceeding great army. They went from, listen to me, they went from a position of death to life. And here's what God instructed Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37 and verse 9. Ezekiel saying this, then said he, speaking of God, God spoke unto Ezekiel. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God. Look at it now. Come from the four winds. What he's saying? He said, I want you to call the wind of the north to come. Judgment. He says, I want you to call the wind of the south to come. Temptation and allurement. He says, I want you to call the wind of the west to come. Mercy. He says, and I want you to call the wind of the east to come. Affliction. Call the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live. Someone hearing me? God said, you don't just call the west wind of mercy upon them. And life is brought to them just by mercy. No, no, no. He says, you don't just call down judgment upon them. And life is infused by judgment. No, no, no. He says, but you call for the four winds. You call for judgment. You call for mercy. You call for temptation. And you call for affliction. And it's only through the well-tempered mixture of those four. He said, life will be restored to the dead bones. See, somebody here today thinking I could make it in life if I didn't have any affliction. Honey, you are absolutely wrong. It takes all four winds. It takes times of judgment. It takes time of affliction. It takes time of trial. It takes time of mercy. It takes all four winds in order for you to live. I know it feels like sometimes it's killing you, but it's really resuscitating you back to life. My God. Honey, we could go a dozen different judges. Oh, God, I'm the judge, judge, Honey, it's helping you live. Huh? Huh? Woo-hoo. You hearing me? Honey, if we would just live in a life of the east wind of mercy, there'd still be dead bones rattling in the grave that Ezekiel saw. But no, never he seen all these winds convene and breathe. It brought life back into those bones. He was prophesying to the wind from every direction to come and convene upon the dead because he was looking at the scattered, the divided house of Israel. Amen. God's mercy was going to be there to help. God's judgment was going to be there to help. Amen. God's trial affliction was going to be there to help but whenever the west wind pairs with the east wind and the north wind pairs with the south wind and there's a cyclone of those four winds honey it brings life back into dead bones amen the wind from every direction collectively would instill life in those bones let me 
tell you something that's against our thought and feeling. Judgment's not going to destroy you. Judgment, you walking in this life, not going to, I know the phrase is, uh, don't judge me, everybody judge me. Let me tell you, judgment's not going to destroy you. Matter of fact, you need it, it's healthy. Times of temptation and mercy, they're not going to eliminate you. Matter of fact, a good mixture of tempering together some judgment and mercy and temptation and, yes, even affliction. Bring life to your dread, dry bones. I'm not finished today, but I'm close. I'm real close. But Mason, you can go and come. And you all can stand with me as I just make a few closing comments here. Which way? Which way? Which way? Where the wind blow. God, which, 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 which? Israel, have you already soon forgotten? I know you stand there at the brink of the Red Sea and it's like, you're like, that's coming from the east. No, no, Israel, have, have you forgotten? Remember not long after Joseph died, you would begin to be afflicted. And the Bible states there in, in Exodus 1, what does it say? It says, and the more that they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. They entered Egypt, a band of 70 souls. When they left Egypt later, after 400 years of the east wind, they came out. 600,000, not counting dependents and wives, well capable into the millions. How? Because of the East. God wasn't doing something to them. He was doing something for them. Have you already forgot that? You feel that East wind? That red sea? What Have you forgot? Have you forgot? Now watch this. Just, we know God's in control and all that. Listen to this. Revelation 7 and verse 1. And I close with Revelation 7 and verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels, John says, standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. We're talking about last things right here. God's going to have the four angels retain the four winds because at that time, it's over. There's no more purpose for the wind of judgment and temptation and all there's no there's no purpose for it anymore but with that I want you to understand something else remember whenever David was describing this God coming down on a cherub taking flight that I spoke of in 2 Samuel 22 riding on the wings of a wind and here in Revelation 7 1 here are four angels that are depicted as holding the four winds of the earth are you listening not only is God listen to me not only is God in control of the wind, but he has an angel for each direction of the wind that is at his command when to let it loose and when to gather it back, when to bind it and when to loose it. Now listen to me. And so with that in mind, think with me here a moment. With that in mind then, to experience the wind from any direction, not only is it an act of God, but it's an act of the angelic. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? 
I know people say, man, God said, man, I want it'd be something just to witness an angel. Let me tell you, every time the east wind blows in your life, that only happened because the angel obeyed the command of God and said, let it go. Every time you feel that sweet mercy, that's not only God acting, that's the, that's the action of the angelics. He said, let it go. Every time judgment's been in your life and then it goes back to its little cave, that's because God said, bind it up, angel. Whenever you're experiencing the wind in your life, it's not just experiencing the almighty power of the creator of the universe, but an angelic visitation is taking place when we experience the wind, even the east. All that night, the east wind blew. I wish I could bend just a little trace in every mind of those Israelites there at that shore as they felt that Brother Gross to be hearing what was going on in their mind and what they were thinking. The whole how clarity was brought to the situation. When there was that little prompt from Moses that said, let's go forward. As they begin to walk, their feet are touching the driest ground that's been carried, been covered by a sea. To look to their left and their right, where mountainous mountains had been, now it's just water stacked up. I never felt the west wind blow. Did you know? I never felt that. Did you know? Only the east wind. What? Only, only the east wind. Huh. So everything that I go through isn't all about something happening to me is it could be something that God is using to my benefit for me affliction yes even affliction Job the wind from the wilderness came knocked down the four corners of your house but he's given back sons and daughters Scripture relays it like this, and I'm not, I'm not fairer than the ones that he even had before. Double everything. What did that? Affliction did that. Trial. The backside of the trial was that. Which way the wind blows? Somebody might be standing here and we bow our heads in this place this morning. If you will, somebody might be standing here this morning and you're you're at your own proverbial Red Sea today and you're just with caution, almost like Moses. You're kind of standing still and you're kind of taking a step forward and you're taking a survey of the area and you're just trying to see, I'm just trying to see which way this thing's going to go. Just trying to see which way the wind's going to blow. I'm trying to figure out what's all going to take place so I know what needs to be my course of action. You know how we are. We're just sitting there waiting, trying to ponder out what's our best approach. How can we do this? Trying to see which way the wind will blow. And then the east wind starts blowing. Man, we just throw down our heads like, really? Honey, it might take that, that tempering and that mixture of the east wind right now to bring life to you. I know it's not easy to understand sometimes when you feel it blowing from that direction against your bodies and uh, our, our minds can catastrophize to the place of negativity and, and woe is me type of, uh, of things. But if we'll look at it, if we'll look at it, we'll look at it. And we'll not get bitter as though God's doing something to us, but we'll see with the vantage point of heaven and get better and understand he might be doing something for us with this. Which way is the wind going to blow? 
Oh, it comes from God. It's created by God. It's controlled by God. He rides on it. Angelic are involved for the purpose of releasing and binding it. Trust, trust, trust the creator today. I'm asking somebody here this morning to trust the creator. Trust the creator. Trust the master. Trust the master. Halamasai doesn't just have control of your life. He has control of what's blowing into your life. He has control of what's blowing out of your life. God is in control. These altars are open this morning. Sir or ma'am, wherever you may be, if you're at the brink of your, of your Red Sea this morning, if you are in that predicament that you've already had weeks and months and years of trial and tribulation, and all I feel is not mercy, I just feel affliction again. I feel trial again. I'm telling you, sir, trust God. I'm telling you, ma'am, trust God. I'm telling you, don't get bitter. Amen. Trust God. God may be working this thing in you, through you, for you it's a touch of the angelic it's a touch of the agent of heaven it's a part of his treasuries come on let's talk to God right now all across this place Let's begin to talk to God in this place this morning. Which, which way is the wind going to blow? Which way is the wind? I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I felt the Holy Ghost this week though I was sick while I was studying. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. God brought this sermon back to my mind. Back to my mind. To have me study this all again. To come to this congregation that are present on this Sunday morning. Because somebody is in this place contemplating which way the wind's going to blow. And God has shown up on this Sunday morning to tell you the wind from whatever direction is all a part of his hand, his plan. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.